Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. I'm your host, Joe Schunkweiler, a physician and former health tech executive now supporting startups and investors at Amazon Web Services. Today, I'm speaking with Bronwyn Spira. Bronwyn is the CEO and founder of Forest Therapeutics, a leading episode-based digital care platform and research network. Bronwyn shares her experience building high-impact teams in healthcare, being early to digital pathways for care delivery, and serving multiple stakeholders effectively within the healthcare universe, including administrators, clinicians, and most importantly, patients. Enjoy. Bronwyn Spira, CEO and founder of Forest Therapeutics. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Joe. Can you start off by telling us a bit about Forest Therapeutics and what you all do? Sure. So FORCE is the leading digital platform and research network in episodic care, focused mostly on the musculoskeletal space, MSK, is our kind of wheelhouse. Um, And over the last decade, we've successfully partnered with dozens of major health systems to deliver a clinician-driven patient experience platform. So from pre-op optimization and injury management to post-op care, we drive evidence-based best practices for surgeons and their care teams. And, um, you know, we've been around for over a decade now and we're deeply penetrated and integrated into the operations of a lot of our customers, including forward-thinking institutions like Geisinger Health System, Scripps Health System, Dartmouth-Hitchcock and others. Um, And it's really, the financial and clinical impacts of our work um, that have led us to this place where we're actually um, reducing significantly readmissions, length of stay um, for these health systems, and at the same time, improving their care coordination. Um, We provide uh, workflows and operational efficiencies for the entire care team. Um, And, you know, all of that, as you can imagine, leads to patient and provider satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, obviously, um, a lot of it is um, around data collection, outcomes collection, and, and we've really enabled our health systems to improve their access and collection of data. And so, you know, I guess in a nutshell, we empower providers to deliver a rich patient experience at scale. And um, we do that by extending the provider's reach into the patient's home. And we leverage video and digital connections to directly engage with patients at every step of their care journey. We've treated over 400,000 patients. So um, you can imagine how rich that data is and it's really driving and validating best practices uh, in care design. It's amazing, not just that you're you're tackling this really timely uh, need within the clinical space, um, but you've been doing it from before people were talking about it all the time, for, before it was cool, so to speak. Um, so what a, you know, what about your own background and journey led you to, to found this company? And, and as a follow-on, what, you know, like what about the market timing 10 years ago made you think this is, this is where the system needs to go and where it should be going and, and I'm the right person and my team is the right team to, to take it there? 
Absolutely. So to go back a little bit, and first of all, I will disabuse your listeners of the fact that I'm actually South African because everybody <laughs> by now is wondering where the accent is from. Um, I actually went to medical school in South Africa at a place called the University of the Witwatersrand. So that's a bit of a mouthful, but that's where I went to school. And then I um, was actually recruited to go and work in London um, and I worked uh, in the national health system which is interesting just because it's a completely different reimbursement model. Um, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was actually recruited to come to the States to run uh, NYU Langone's inpatient rehab department at Rusk, uh, the Rusk Institute of Rehab. And I worked there for over 10 years um, as a clinician. Um, and then I built out a multi-clinic orthopedic and sports medicine practice, private practice in New York. Um, and while I was there, I started Force, and I started to um, think about, and that was a long time ago now, but I started to really think about what this looked like for my patients and um, whether it was something that would actually, you know, take hold in the healthcare Um, in a healthcare setting, because at that time, and you think back to 2010, right, it was just when people were starting to use their smartphones for everything under the sun, like Mm -hmm. travel and banking and dating. Um, But healthcare was still very uh, paper-based and uh, antiquated. Right. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it was really um, at that time, uh, when I started to think about, well, what what would it feel like for myself and my patients to have this ability to connect in a digital setting? How how impactful could this be to my patients' satisfaction and and the outcomes? You know, and for me, I was excited about the um, the possibility of having real-time access to their experience and their data and their outcomes. Um, And I just really believe that it would meaningfully improve the care experience and recovery outcomes. It's remarkably forward thinking, thinking back to, to 2010, like the new, as you said, the new, uh, new days of the smartphone when people were just getting acquainted with you know, what apps could do before we're doing everything via our phones. Did you find that um, building a team to realize that vision was challenging? Were you finding folks that had the right skills and background to, to make it a reality? No, it kind of happened a little bit organically at first because I was using it with my patients. So in a way I was um, getting all the product feedback. Um, but when I decided to actually um, do this full time, that's when I really started to think about how to build a team. And, um, you know, I didn't know much about technology. I'd always been a clinician. And so the only kind of the, the organizing principle or the central theme of what I knew was how to hire people. Um, and hire good people because that's what I'd done throughout my career. And so I started with the culture. And so I started looking for people that shared um, my core values and the values that I felt 
we needed to instill in this product and instill in this team. And it's interesting, Joe, because um, we kind of wrote those values down and they still resonate today. And we continue to grow our team based upon these core values. And we continue to reward the team based on their um, behavior around these core values. And I think if you are a patient using our product, you feel the empathy, you feel the um, spirit that comes through our platform. And I think that really speaks a lot to you know, the approach that we took on growing this team and, you know, separate and apart from obviously their unique skill sets and their technology chops and, you know, product capabilities. It's really those core values that I think um, helped us think through what this team should look like. And I think it speaks to the strength of our product and our team today. That's a, a really interesting approach. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something that resonates with the the Amazon folks uh, that I know because we we uh, uh, like to point to our leadership principles as something that guides our behavior, and it's a it's a, a real thing, you know, that we we take very seriously at Amazon. Um, but that can be challenging in a startup environment because you're trying to move fast and you're trying to go from zero to one and and do things that, particularly in your case people hadn't done before. Um, so I, it's, it's a really interesting and impactful way to think about the early stages of a company. And, and I'm curious, coming from clinical leadership, is that something that you pulled from that experience or was that a, a major difference from, from leading clinical teams and then you know being out in private practice and, and, and approaching things that way? You know, yes and no. I think I'd always looked for certain qualities in the people that I'd hired as a clinician, you know, whether I was hiring a front desk receptionist or, a, um, you know, a, a physiatrist to work in my practice. Um, but I think the thing that struck me was in order to build a platform that was designed with a clinician um, viewpoint or clinician's perspective, I needed to hire and surround myself with people that had the same mindset of a clinician, which is basically, you know, you kind of wired to think that everything you do is to make this patient feel better, live their life better. And when you're a clinician, you see and feel that change. It's palpable, right? And so when I made the switch to health technology, I promised myself never to lose sight of that, of that patient and the way that patient felt when they were using and interacting with the technology. And so, um, you know, I think that for me, I wanted to almost extend my own ability to reach more and more patients, um, but in the way that I was reaching patients today. Um, so I really wanted to, to extend that kind of clini clinical core. And, um, and that's why this platform is, is kind of unique is because it's not built by a group of technologists or finance people. It's really built by a group of clinicians or people that understand clinicians' challenges. Um, and so I think that really helps drive not only the 
um, the product itself, but the team and the culture and the values that we hold dear. And, and I would imagine uh, you have a very discerning customer base. Uh, so you need that to come through throughout every stage. Uh, and with that in mind, like who, you know, who are you selling to? Like, who's your, who's your buyer um, on the provider side? I'm assuming it's on the provider side. Um, and, and- yeah, so we sell two providers, okay. right? A provider is our user, okay. one of our users. Um, and so we sell to large academic medical centers, um, integrated delivery networks, uh, large ASC networks, um, basically any health systems that care about delivering valuable, high quality care. And so, you know, the challenge there is that these organizations um, have enterprise scope and scale. And so we needed, we needed to match our platform to, you know, be able to meet those enterprise needs. Um, but we also need to um, service multiple stakeholders, right? So it's not only the surgeons and the navigators and the nurses and the therapists that use the platform on the provider side, but we know that our end user is the patient. And mm. so even though we're selling to the health systems, our user and the one we care the most about is the patient that's kind of at the end of that, um, that line of, you know, usage. Um, and then we also have the administrators who we have to care about because, you know, for many systems, musculoskeletal is one of their more profitable service lines. And so we need to be able to support their entire business, their musculoskeletal business and beyond by deploying the platform. And so we need to be able to provide value and feedback and data, not only at the provider level, but also at the administrator level, because really all health systems today, especially, you know, given the perspective of the last couple of years, all health systems need to actually reimagine their business and how they are delivering care. And they need to figure out how to leverage, you know, tools that can reach their patients remotely, um, tools that can scale their care teams, tools that can give them data and insights so that they can continue to lead their fields. And so, um, so that's really, I, I guess, a long way of, of saying we sell to health systems providers. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, when you're like focusing on that, the sales relationship, particularly the early stages, what are your, like, what are the big things that you point to? You know, what are, you, what are the drivers that when you have the buyer um, in front of you, like, what have, what have you found resonates? Well, I think that data is becoming the currency of healthcare, right? And so we are seeing this more and more um, play out in the in real time. And I can give you a couple of examples. You know, um, there is a big um, movement towards center of excellence models, which really rely on collecting quality data at scale um, and doing it in a way that doesn't overburden the providers and the FTEs who are already burnt out from, you know, all the EHR work and data entry that they have to um, undergo as well as being short staffed and, you know, um, stressed out by the pandemic. So really what they care a lot about is the quality of the data that we can collect and 
and how easy it is for their teams to collect it. And that's really where I think we see a big um, light bulb go off in, you know, the buyers at health systems. Um, you know, we, not only do we, we, you know, we kind of have this commitment to our customers to provide them with the data they need to become operational and competitive uh, from a revenue perspective, but also from a savings perspective. So really that is comes down to collecting data, um, you know, across an episode, because it's no good to just collect it, at, you know, preoperatively, and then it's a black hole, how that patient does, you really need to have that, that full um, episode captured. Um, and that is what makes data valuable for administrators of health systems. Workflow is always a, you know, a, a, it's a buzzword in the space, but it's one of those buzzwords that's incredibly relevant. And as you know, uh, particularly from your experience, if you don't, if you don't have a, uh, a a line of sight into integrating into clinical workflows for every member of the team that has to touch it, you're basically sunk before you walk in. And it sounds like that's sort of where all these things come together for, for you and for the Force Therapeutics team is that you understood the workflows, you understood the business needs and how those workflows support that business need and started to fit in specifically into that gap that you were seeing and that still exists in a lot of places in the, in the marketplace. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. And I think just to, you know, double click on that point, if you provide technology to a busy care team member, um, and it doesn't fit in with their workflow, they won't use it. So I think the key there is to make sure that the system is configurable to workflows, and to have people that understand and analyze and can actually um, configure the platform to work within those workflows and improve those workflows, right? And I think um, you made another point there, which is a really good one, which is you have to give the users visibility into the um, the reason for using that um, that technology, right? And so we think a lot about not only you know analyzing those workflows and fitting in and configuring the platform, we integrate with fully with EHR so that even though we are the patient facing side of the provider patient relationship, we know that everything, all the data has to flow back into the EHR so that the providers can you know access it and leverage it. And so um, so we understand that our role is to, create that connection, generate that data, but then fit it back into where it makes sense for the providers and make it actionable. And so, you know, I think about a use case for data, there's that high level of data collection, which allows administrators to aggregate and make decisions based upon what their whole system's doing. But then there's that day-to-day -day workflow data that enables a clinician to actually make a care decision based upon the 360 degree view that we're providing. And so that kind of real time actionable data is what gives that positive feedback loop to the provider and helps them understand why they need to be using this technology in the first place. 
thinking about the the feedback loop piece just for a second, um, clearly you have you need the provider level user, the people that that team that actually purchases the the product and you know writes the check for it um, needs to use it and see value it in it. But um, you you all go like beyond the waterline, uh, actually touching the patients too. Um, and that is like, uh, it's no small feat to be able to do both well, um, because they are, they have very different needs and the, the, the interfaces at the, you know, every level of it is very, you know, it, it's a different game when you're actually out, um, working with patients directly. Um, how do you, how are you getting feedback from both groups and allowing that to inform the ongoing roadmap and, and understand how it's being received by, by all the folks that you're touching in the process? So a number of ways. I mean, we do have an automated technology that sits on top of our platform, which allows us to get quantitative and qualitative feedback from both our users, so from our provider users and from our patient users. Um, but, you know, we can track all of that feedback. And then when we're working on a new solution, we can understand who's requesting that change or that feature. And we can reach out to them. And often they're very willing to spend time with the product team um, to help us with our user research. And, you know, um, as an example, we just actually reimagined our entire patient experience and doing that research we sat with more than a hundred patients who'd been on the system and we looked at um, 18 months worth of you know data points from over a hundred thousand patients so we can leverage the data that we get just from the you know the unique user experience to actually inform the iterations of our product um, so there's a high-tech way, but then there's also always the hand-to-hand -hand combat or the personal way where we're listening to our providers, we're listening to our patients, and we're actually getting on the phone, having conversations with them. used to be that we could be in person with our providers, but um, they're usually very willing to, to help us think through their own challenges and how we can best support them. As a, as a clinician with deep experience, across the delivery mechanism before ever going into the startup side. Um, was there anything that surprised you getting that patient level feedback? My, my guess is that, you know, if uh, taking it from my own experience, I used to be uh, a million years ago, I was a, a general surgeon and there are things that I would think would be pain points that may not be. And there were certain pain points I'm sure that I was never privy to around the whole, you know, getting your surgery scheduled and post-op and all that kind of stuff. So um, was there anything that you learned uh, coming from the, the clinical world throughout this process that, that surprised you? Yeah, I think the, the patient's embracing of technology is really misunderstood by the medical community. And, you know, when we first came to market with force, all the surgeons and navigators, nurses, PTs we spoke to said, oh, our patients will never use this. Mm. They're afraid of technology. And we found, and we've actually done research studies on this, it's the opposite. The patients are willing, able, excited about using technology because it makes their life better and it makes their life easier. I mean, you can imagine the level of pain, anxiety, stress, 
you know, that patients are going through even right now when they can't access their providers. And to be able to access their own care team 24 seven uh, in a trusted, closed, personal environment, I think is just, you can't even put a price on that for the patient experience side. And, you know, this shows in our MPS scores, our MPS scores from our patients are through the roof because they really want that connection and they want it they want to know that they can access their information about their care from their care team whenever they want it and that it's there when they need it and not when they have to first get on the phone, wait two weeks to make an appointment, wait in a waiting room for 45 minutes. You know, they are really the ones that are driving, I think, this change in healthcare. Speaking of the changes that we're seeing, you know, system wide, really, um, on the value based care side, like thinking about um, incorporating outcomes more into you know all the decision making we make we make as a um, as a health system, what you pay for, how much you pay for it, all that kind of stuff. Um, taking taking that high level view of system wide, uh, you all at Force are really tapping into that need for additional data, um, the ability to do that, incorporating the patient into the process and their perspective. What's the what's the view at Force Therapeutics and, and for yourself about the transition to value based care across the health system and how um, like how is that how has that impacted the trajectory of the company thus far and how are you baking that into what you see moving forward as well. You know, I think it's kind of the train that's left the station. It's not going back. Um, when we first started, it was just the really early days of bundle payments and BPCI and CJR. And, but now it's almost like a given, mm. even ex- extending beyond joint replacements, sports surgeries, spine surgeries. It's just the way of the future. And I think... Um, those that are not kind of on that path, um, you know, will either will be soon or they will, you know, go the way of the dinosaur because there's, that is the way that healthcare reimbursement is going. And, um, um, you know, you have to think about how you um, reinvent your, your systems and your infrastructure and your processes around that new model because, um, you know, I don't think fee-for-service, as we know, is not sustainable, but it's it's not coming back. Um, it's only we're only going deeper into value. How have your conversations at the provider level changed? Because I, you know, I I was in the value-based care enablement space um, previously, and even over that course over three to four years, uh, I started to see a transition among physicians of all stripes. Uh, whether it was primary care or in the surgical subspecialties, um, this recognition that that was, as you said, the way of the future. And you've had a really interesting view having had these discussions. When you look back, how have those interactions shifted over over the course of the company? Um, I think the, the naysayers are just now few and far between, whereas it used to be you almost had to overcome or disabuse people of their 
um, you know, their views before you went into the value conversation. Mm. And now I feel like it's just a given, um, you know, providers understand it, they understand why it's necessary. I think they also are coming to understand that we all need to change the way we do things. Um, and that, you know, just like with other things, technology is the great enabler. And, um, you know, data, data again, you know, and you can't collect data without technology. Um, you know, those paper-based forms and mailing in the H caps, you know, that's right. just going to go away. And it's, it's not sustainable. It's not economic. It's not efficient. Um, and there are better ways, you know, and, and if the patients are on board, I think providers are, are quickly going to get on board as well. Given all these complex dynamics in the provider space and, and you know, the long sales cycles and the, the complex payment models, um, you must get approached by folks uh, wondering, you know, what advice you have. Uh, for entrepreneurs who are looking to the the provider space, and um, do you have a uh, what do you say to folks like that? Whether it's people coming from the clinical world or or, or outside the clinical world, what's your um, what are your thoughts for people who are and, and teams that are trying to tackle this this complex area? Yeah, I think you know selling to hospitals, especially large enterprise health systems, as we do, just requires a lot of patience and understanding of the challenges that these health systems are really facing right now. Um, you know, it's complicated, there are politics, there are, you know, different types of organizational structures that vary from health system to health system. So you really need to spend time understanding even the culture of the organization, um, how forward thinking they are, how resistant they are to change, where they are in their kind of evolution towards digitization of their processes um, and really working with them. I think the important thing to stress when selling to, to provider organizations as we do um, is that um, a clinically based platform is there to support and enhance and empower the clinicians, not work against them. Um, and so instead of being just another thing, another place they have to log into, another, you know, system they have to get to know, um, because, you know, you want to overcome that resistance you know, everything has to be built in the, um, in the, you know, in the clinical perspective. Um, and, um, you know, I always say when every single time you touch the platform, you have to get value from it um, because there's so much technology out there. If you're not getting value from every interaction, the chances of you continuing to use it are less and less. And our value to clinicians is in our ability to keep that patient engaged over a long period of time. We don't want them logging in once, we want them logging in over a 60, 90 day episode because that's really where we can drive to better outcomes, drive to better experience, drive to better engagement. Um, and so, 
none of it is easy um, and it takes a lot of iteration. It takes a lot of listening um, and really being a partner to these health systems and really listening to the challenges that our provider and care teams face, I think is, is critical because otherwise you're not going to get a installed user base or a, a repeat user base, I should say. Um, so those are, those are my high level words of wisdom. Wonderful. Bronwyn Spira, CEO and founder of Forest Therapeutics. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Joe. It was my pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com slash startups.